everybody, and welcome to the weekly message for The Table. The Table is a church in Davenport, Iowa, where people are moving from greed toward generosity, from violence toward peacemaking, from isolation toward neighborliness, and from fear toward faith. I'm Pastor Rob Leverage, and it's good to be with you on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark. It is the calling of Jesus' first disciples. So let's open up our ears and our hearts and give a good listen. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his, son, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my professors from seminary uh, believes that Jesus' father, Joseph, died when Jesus was a young adult. Uh, Jesus' mother, Mary, and um, his brothers and sisters uh, make a variety of appearances throughout the Gospels. Um, Mary appears many times throughout the different Gospel stories. But Joseph, Jesus' dad, is only present in the stories of Jesus' birth and childhood. So my professor believes that Joseph, Jesus' dad, was an extraordinary father, loving, wise, strong, and that his death would have been devastating to his wife and his children, but that it was also critically important to Jesus developing his own sense of himself and his sense of call. Because even though uh, Jesus was Jesus, a prophet, son of God from his birth, um, at least my professor believes there was a critical moment after a heartbreaking event. When Jesus experienced the mortality of his earthly father, and perhaps in some new way comprehended the mortality of his earthly parent, of his earthly mother. And, and at this moment, he may have been ready to give himself to his heavenly parent, to fully embrace his own identity as a child of the holy. And so in this way of thinking, it was the profoundly destabilizing event that helped to, in its way, stabilize Jesus's self-awareness and his sense of mission. When the ground beneath his feet became unsteady, he became ready to set out on the path of his true calling. Again, this is a theory that my seminary professor holds. I hope that I'm representing him accurately. Um, and, of course, it is impossible to know if this imagined backstory is accurate to Jesus' actual life. But it's an interesting idea, and it gets at something that is deeply true. That God's calling on our lives comes with disruption. Sometimes the calling itself is 
the disruption. It is, the calling is disruptive, and it pushes us out of the comfortable place where we would just have soon as, you know, we would have preferred to stay in the comfort for as long as possible. But the call is disruptive. And then other times, the disruption happens, right? Something just happens. Uh, something very painful, destabilizing, and disorienting. And whatever it is, it takes our lives apart. And the experience of going through that makes us ready for God in some new way. Now, many of us have had experiences, you know, that, that have felt like the rug was being pulled out from, other, uh, from underneath us, right? The death of a loved one, the loss of a job, the relationship, the central you know, life-defining relationship that fell apart. I, I've been thinking about the news constantly, and the news, it seems like, every day is filled up with stories of people literally losing their homes. Ferocious fires in California and other places, the stunning and shocking floods in Tennessee. And as I post this message today... Louisiana is being pummeled by Hurricane Ida. And uh, we don't know what the, the, the scenes of destruction are going to look like there as I'm recording this. But I have to tell you, I'm a little bit freaking out about it because I just took my son to start college in New Orleans. And at the end of this first week of classes, he is now sheltering in place in the midst, uh, you know, just, you know, living through a very, very scary hurricane. The truth is that none of us is far from stories of devastation and loss, loss of people, loss of home, loss of our plans for what life was going to be. And to a great extent, I guess, human beings, we really tell the story of our lives in part as a sequence of experiences in which we lost something fundamental and we had to ask, what do I do now? Sometimes for some of us, this doesn't happen for everybody all the time, but Sometimes it is the moments of great loss when we feel like we have very little else that we can lean on. Sometimes those are the moments when we are most ready to listen for and trust in God. I think often about Jesus' statement that he came to preach good news to the poor. Um, he's quoting the book of Isaiah at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. And one of the things that he says is, I came to, to bring good news to the poor. The, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And one way to read that statement is, of course, to focus on Jesus' unique concern for and focus on the people who are in need. Right? The poor, Jesus cares about the poor. Okay. And that is a correct reading of that line. But there is another way to read it, 
which is that Jesus came to preach. But as he came to preach, he recognized that it was the poor. It was the people who don't have material comfort and stability and security, the people who were unsure of where their next meal was going to come from. It would be those people who would be most ready to receive what Jesus preached as good news. You follow me? Okay. So if I extend the reasoning and the paradigm of my professor's theory that Jesus' ministry began after the destabilizing event of his father's death. And by the way, you know, you could add to that, you know, if Joe, I mean, we, we imagine that maybe Joseph died around the time Jesus left home. But one thing that the text does explicitly say is that John the Baptist was arrested right before Jesus began his public ministry, and very soon he was executed. So that was another traumatic loss that Jesus experienced, right? But if you really just think about the whole story from this point, just through the, through the end of the gospel narrative, right, you could see that, you know, a- after Jesus went through that initial loss and he started his teaching and his his preaching, he really never experienced uh, comfort, stability, predictability, (laughs) or a life of ease and security ever again. You know, he, he did not ever enjoy a normal home life again. He traveled, he slept outdoors mostly. He, he was a guest whenever, you know, somebody invited him over to their house. He had no money. Dinner was not guaranteed. Okay? He made a lot of friends. People shared, you know, people were inspired by what Jesus was bringing and, and offering and teaching. You know? And people shared resources with him. He made a lot of friends. But he also made some pretty determined enemies. He was praised and celebrated. He was also attacked and vilified. And he made his way. He made his way through it all, but he really never knew the privilege, the luxury of just having things settle down, <laughs> you know, and having, having having everything be fine for a while, you know. He, he just did not get that comfort. But at the same time, his clarity about the message that he was called to bring and the good that he was called to do, that clarity increased and it was sustained. Was this despite uh, the instability of his day-to-day life? Was it because of it? I, I don't know. But I think about this kind of thing when I hear of people whose lives are being taken apart through the great tragedies of our time. And I don't know exactly what God is doing to bring about good in some of the really terrible stories that we are reading about in the news, what's continuing to unfold in Afghanistan, 
um, the god-awful uh, earthquake and the aftermath of that, the hurricanes, the wildfires, the, the, I'm sorry, the earthquake in Haiti, um, all of the instability of the medical system as COVID-19 continues to rage. And, and these are, you know, the, the trauma and the fear and the, you know, the suffering that people are living through in these various circumstances. You know, these are not things that I would want to happen to anyone, right? The chaos um, and the loss, the experience of, of devastation and desperation and loss. I wouldn't want anyone to have to go through those things. But I, I also know that God has done extraordinary things in the past through people whose lives were turned upside down by tragedy and evil in their time, including, perhaps first and foremost, Jesus. And as the Bible tells it, God does most of God's best work under desperate circumstances. This gives me some measure of hope, but really, more so, it, it gives me humility. Because I don't know what the fruit of grace will be as the heartbreak of our contemporary moment proceeds and unfolds. None of us does. And, and that's not our place to know how everything works and how everything is going to turn out. And so I pray and I trust and I ask God to use me and to show me what I am supposed to do in such a time as this, I encourage you to do the same. Because God has a calling for us in such a time as this. God has a word for us in such a time as this. One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and there were fishermen, probably a lot of fishermen. The, the, the shore was probably full of people with boats and nets. And among them all were Simon and Andrew and James and John. And he called out to them, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. And they did. They left all their stuff right then, right there. <laughs> it's kind of an amazing story you know um, there's so few details and uh, I don't know if you would casually just sort of skip over this story if you would just read it and just move on to the next thing but you know, it's, it's crazy because if you if you just read it read the text casually it might seem like they just sort of readily up and left everything they walked away from their lives and their livelihoods without much forethought like kind of like it was no big deal like Jesus just sort of showed up one day hey follow me and they were like eh? okay you know i i i feel that that cannot possibly be that simplistic way of thinking about this story cannot cannot possibly be the way it really went i mean it was a big deal to say yes to Jesus's invitation Simon and Andrew and James and John, they had their backstories. They had their personal history <laughs> that led up to the moment when they decided to leave their boats and their nets and follow Jesus. But just like the whole 
history of Jesus's young life and young adult life, you know, we don't know the details. We don't know very much about what happened that led up to this decision in this moment, right? And so, since we don't know, we imagine, or at least I imagine. I encourage people to imagine all of the details that are not written in the stories, but could have been, um, that could have filled out the story um, if they had been written down. I can imagine a scenario. Again, this is not in the Bible, but I imagine it, and it is not contrary to the very few words that the scripture does include. Okay, I imagine a scenario in which these men who became disciples actually knew Jesus before the day when he said, follow me, and they said, yes. Okay, Maybe they had had coffee a few times. I, they, there was no coffee in that region at that time. But, okay, maybe they had connected over meals um, in, in some kind of social connection. Maybe they knew each other grew in, growing up, I, I don't know, but maybe they had talked and Jesus had shared with them on different occasions his experience of God's calling on his life. And maybe he shared with them some of the personal valleys that he had passed through and that he even expected to come up against more dark times in the future as well, but he was not afraid, or even if he was somewhat afraid, he was not going to be deterred by whatever fear or worry that he felt because God had given him a word of hope to share with everyone who would listen. And he knew that God would never leave him alone, no matter how difficult things got to be. And as he told them this, he added in that he, see, he believed that God was not just calling him, but that God, God was calling them as well. And he told them, God is doing a lot this very day. Love is transforming the world as we know it, and, and you are invited to be a part of it. Come with me and join this thing. And Simon and Andrew and James and John listened, you know, because it's kind of cool to talk to somebody who is as you know, passionate and excited about what he's saying, as Jesus was. There was a gleam in his eye, but still, you know, the first and the second and the third times that they visited with Jesus, they did not walk away ready to leave their lives behind. No, they were glad to talk to him, you know, and, you know, as they wrapped it up, it's like, hey, awesome talking to you and good luck on that whole kingdom of God thing. Keep us posted. And then they went back to work. But it was different talking to Jesus than just any old person. They didn't get sick of hearing from him the way you usually get sick of hearing from somebody to whom you've already said thanks but no thanks, and they keep on coming around and bringing it up again, right? But in this case, with Jesus, they did not mind that Jesus kept coming around. And then God only knows, <laughs> but maybe there came a moment when something happened 
and their world was rocked and it was turned upside down. The Bible doesn't say that something happened, but maybe something did happen. It certainly could have happened. Did Simon Peter lose a child? Did James and John lose their mom? Did the house burn down? Did the creditors send word that they were going to take the boats and the nets for failure to pay a debt? Right? Was there something that shook the ground beneath these men? And it brought a realization that they could not control everything that happened in their lives and they might not be able even to lean on things that they had always counted on being there. Who knows? But there was a time when Jesus came by again and maybe he said the exact same thing that he had said to them before he called to them and he said follow me and for whatever reason this time they were ready to say yes i, I don't know what they were thinking <laughs> at that moment what you know were were they thinking yeah this is the greatest day of my life <laughs> right you know were they thinking this is crazy what am i doing here were they thinking may as well, what do I have to lose? I don't know. But what I believe they understood was that whatever they had lost and whatever they were contemplating leaving behind, good things, important things, beautiful things, precious things, all the things that they had lost or would leave, right? there were yet good and important and beautiful and precious things that they would take with them. Right? Things they could never lose. A place within God's family, true belonging and beloved community, a part to play in God's redemptive work throughout the earth, grace to carry, grace to hold, grace to share. And the strength and the courage that enabled them in that moment, to leave. To leave their boats and their nets. This is the same strength and courage that they saw turn strangers into kindred by words of welcome and grace that they were given to say. It's the same strength and courage that allows a person to draw near and not to run from those who suffer. And they had that. They experienced that. They drew near in help and in healing. Right? It's the same strength. It's the same courage that makes it possible to, to feed crowds of thousands of people when it seems like there's enough, there's not enough to go around. The disciples saw that. They experienced it. The same strength and courage that they found when it was time to leave their boats and their nets. This is the strength and the courage that empowers a people to choose a way of peace, even when they are relentlessly pursued by violence. This 
is the strength and the courage that made it possible for the disciples to hold on to hope when there was so much that they had to let go. That was their story, and it is ours. Thanks be to God. Amen.